I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Um, I know that's kind of a sad note and then to turn into Thanksgiving, but I don't know if you had to travel or not travel, but this was the first year in a long time that we didn't travel or go somewhere else for Thanksgiving, and so we were preparing uh, for Thanksgiving meal on Thursday and uh, doing the things that you do to get ready for Thanksgiving, and one of the thoughts crossed my mind, I don't know if anybody in this room has, has ever considered this, but I figured this out. If you invite enough people for Thanksgiving and tell them what to bring, you could not have to cook on Thanksgiving. Now, I've never tried this, but uh, I've got some extended family that might, next year we might need to give us a little shot, all right? If you invite the right people, they might bring the right things, and you can say, oh, yeah, you bring this. They'll never know, right? Uh, you can just enjoy Thanksgiving morning as they bring all the stuff in. Uh, maybe that's a little odd for you to think of, but then you've prepared Thanksgiving, and you've got all these meals, you've got all these things on the table. Um, there's one uh, particular item that I've discovered. We are about 50-50 in how we refer to it, so let's just solve the debate. Is it stuffing or dressing? Stuffing people, raise your hands. Raise your hands. I know you're thinking, what else would it be called? All right, dressing people, raise your hands. It is 50-50. Here's what I noticed. Some of it's inside your family. You guys need to figure this out, okay? All right, you need, you need to have it out and figure out which one it is, stuffing or dressing. It's that bread-like stuff that you put things on and you serve it, and for some reason we only eat it at Thanksgiving, all right? Um, but it's stuffing, it's dressing, there's turkey, there's gravy, there's mashed potatoes, there's casseroles, there's rolls, there's mac and cheese, there's deviled eggs, there's desserts, there's pumpkin pies, there's cranberry sauce, cranberry dressing, whatever you call it, and somehow that one little plate, you put all of it on. And you sit down at the table, and at some point you have conversations with people that maybe at your table are folks that you haven't seen in a year. Hopefully it's people you don't mind seeing again before next year. But it, it, and you, you have people at your table, you sit around, you have conversations, and that's part of the joy of Thanksgiving. It's just being around the table together. And one of the things that I've referred to before, and I'm sure I'll say again, is one of the things I love about when I read the good news of Jesus and the life of Jesus is Jesus did a lot of teaching sitting around tables. He did a lot of teaching to Pharisees, to the religious leaders. He taught his disciples sitting around tables. He sat down and had meals with people who were not religious, who were far from being religious. And even sitting down at the table with some folks, he created a controversy. But he sat down at the table with people and had conversations. And one of those meals I want us to talk about. One of those table gatherings I want to talk about. Jesus in Luke chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse 15 of Luke chapter 14, but kind of giving you a little bit of the heads up. Jesus in this meal is sitting with Pharisees, meaning he's having a conversation with the religiously uh, astute scholars of the day. They're the rule followers. They know the history. Um, they've got it all down. They follow the rules. They do the things they're supposed to. They're the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus is blowing their minds theologically because he's not only teaching them by what he says, he's performing miracles on the Sabbath, asking them questions that leave them baffled. They can't even figure out how to respond to Jesus and during that time, he's asking them, who are you inviting to your table? He's speaking to them. And one of the things he does, Jesus does often at tables, is he speaks through what we call parables. And parables are fictional things, events that Jesus at times poses in order to teach practical truth. I think it's Jesus' way of bringing it down to our level. Of being able to say, let, let me bring this teaching down in a way that maybe you can grasp 
And so he gives them a parable while he's sitting at the table with the Pharisees, with the most religious people of the day. Verse 15, he says, When one of those who reclined at a table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is everyone who hears the teaching of this man. And Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Now, before you read verse 17, understand the context of the day. Inviting people to a party was a little bit different than it is for you. Because you have a couple things. You have a microwave, you have a refrigerator, you have an oven, all right? And you have a way to make, keep things warm. You have a freezer so you can cook ahead of time. These folks didn't have all those conveniences. And so when they invited people over, it was truly a task. And so what they would do is they would send out the invitations. People would RSVP, all right? They would say, yes, we're coming to your banquet. Yes, we're coming to your party. Here's how many people. So that they could prepare adequately. Then on the day of that, that party taking place, when everything was ready, when everything was ready, the master would invite someone to go out, a servant, a family member would go and knock on the doors of the people who said they're coming. All right? So they didn't have text messaging to say, yeah, come on, head on over, the food's ready. He would go and he would knock on the door and he'd say, come on, party's ready. Come on, the table's set. Come on over, enjoy the banquet. And this is the parable that Jesus teaches. He said, there's a master. He's prepared a banquet. He's invited people. They said that they're coming. And in verse 17, it says, and at the time uh, for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But those all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Do you not see how poor of an excuse this is? What does he say? I bought a field. Oh, oops, I forgot. I need to go look at it. Haven't looked at the field yet. I need to go view the field. Another said, verse 19, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Not exactly the strongest excuse, right? They're responding to the servant coming out. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I'm not sure why that means he couldn't come, that he and his wife couldn't come as well. Verse 21, the parable continues. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Those who received the invitations and rejected coming to the banquet, Jesus says, you're no longer invited. You're not coming. Now, this is a tough teaching sitting at the table. I believe Jesus is laying before the Pharisees, the group of religious, he's making sure that they understand that there were going to be some of them sitting at the table who were going to reject the teaching of Jesus. They're going to sit at the table with Jesus. They're going, to, they're going to say they were looking for Jesus to come one day. But when Jesus presents to them his teaching and his miracles and his work and his theology and his practice and his life change and his call to obedience, they're going to reject the message and say, I, I'm, I got a valid excuse. 
And he's going to say, no, you don't. And Jesus is also going to say, I, I am so adamant about this that I want the servant of the master to go out and keep inviting and keep bringing and keep knocking on doors until somebody that's willing to listen, the blind, the lame, the beggar, the hedges and the highways, the people who have not been invited before, you keep inviting until my table is full. Jesus is communicating to the Pharisees the importance of his message, the importance of this eternal banquet, this eternal teaching that he's placing before them. And it was preparing them that if they rejected him, that Jesus was going to do what? He's just going to keep inviting more people who listen. He's going to keep inviting more people who are willing to respond to a life of obedience, to a life of the calling of Jesus. So today I want to look at this from a little bit of a different perspective. I want you to see the passion and zeal that Jesus has for inviting people to his teaching. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, he's saying to the religious, he's saying to us who go to church, if you don't accept the teachings of eternal life, I'm going to keep on sending people out. I'm going to keep inviting people to come to the people that are going to listen. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep sending you. God is persistent at pursuing others, inviting them with hope, inviting you with the knowledge of eternity without Him. Are we inviting people with the same zeal? Are we inviting people saying, you know what, well, if they won't come, I'll go to this person. If they won't come, I'll go to this person. If they're not listening, I'll go to this person. And one of the reasons that I think that it might be that we're not inviting enough people to the party is we have underestimated the party. We've forgotten what Jesus is really inviting people to. Jesus is not inviting people to Sunday church. He's inviting inviting them into a relationship with him that will radically transform their lives. He's inviting them to something that will flip upside down their teaching, flip upside down their lives, a teaching that they've never heard before. It's a big party. It's a big banquet. Back in the summer, I got tickets to go see the Winston-Salem Dash. Uh, It's a baseball team. For those of you who don't know, Winston-Salem Dash are there in Winston-Salem, all right? Uh, Baseball park right there where you can no longer get to it because the roads are closed now, all right? Uh, But there's a baseball stadium there. And uh, I I had two tickets, and the person from church gave me two tickets. And all she said was, I got two tickets, foods included, and parking. I'm thinking, this is a pretty good deal. So as the week went on, the person that originally was going with me couldn't go, and so I reached out to a couple folks, and uh, I, I got uh, our pastor of our church plant, Mike Ferguson. He said, man, I'll go with you. And so Friday afternoon comes around. It's raining. I'm not a huge baseball guy, all right? But there's food, right, and free parking. And so I'm thinking, well, we might go. And so I texted him, and he said, let's just go. And if it starts pouring down rain, which was supposed to, if it starts pouring down rain, we'll just go somewhere else to eat. Say, all right. So we drive to Winston's. We're driving to Winston. The, the weather starts to get good. It's not perfect, but it's better. The drizzle's just barely, it's just misting just a little bit. We get to the ballpark. They're out there warming up, and we pull up to this parking area, and, and the, the guy says, can I see your ticket? Can I see your parking pass? I said, sure. And I hand the pass, and he goes, oh, you park over here. I'm like, this is getting good. We parked left field, first row. Now, this is beyond home run ball area, okay? So we didn't get our windows full of a home run. Uh, We were a little bit past that, but we were on the front row facing the stadium. We got great parking 
So we, we parked and we walked in. I showed the guy tickets. He goes, oh, you need to take those tickets and go over there and see that lady. And I went, oh, all right. So we go see that lady. And that lady says, oh, you, you have tickets for upstairs. I don't know what upstairs is. And she says, all you need to do is put on this little wristband. You put on the wristband, sign in, take the elevator up to the third floor. You walk off the elevator. We walked off the elevator. I turned to my left. There is a heavenly banquet prepared for us. (laughs) There are four buffet lines. There is uh, a carving station for beef at one. There is, I know, it's close to lunch, right? This is cruel. There's fresh fried fish in the next with the chef there at the end. I'm like, really? It's the Winston-Salem Dash, right? This is not the Dodgers, all right? The Braves. And this is not Yankee Stadium. And then the next line had all these salads. The next line had a pimento cheese bar. I just thought there was Conrad and Hinkle, right? And so there's Gouda, there's jalapeno, there's all these different kinds of pimento cheese. And so Mike and I, one thing you need to know about is if there's a buffet, we're going to hit it, all right? And so we're just going through every line, getting little There was, I'm not kidding, there was a donut buffet at the end. It's Winston. It's Krispy Kreme. There's a donut buffet. There's an ice cream buffet. There's a milk and honey fountain that's flowing in the middle of the room, okay? I mean, it is so great. And so we go, we get our food, and there's these seats that sit right here in front of, and here's the stadium, here's the baseball park, and here's these glassed-in seats. We get our food. We're just eating. I mean, we, we don't even care about the game. We're just eating. And so then we figure we should at least be involved. The night The sun starts to set. All the clouds go away. It's beautiful. Summer night, but it's not hot. And so we thought, you know, we should actually go watch the game. And uh, so we, with great disdain for leaving the third floor, we took the elevator back down, and we said, where are our seats? And she said, oh, they're down there. So we go down there. We're on the second row right behind home plate. This is good. So we go to our second row seats. We sit down. Seventh inning stretch. They're losing. And uh, so we decide to stay for the rest of the game. And this gentleman comes up. He's got a dash shirt on. And he says, uh, can I get you guys anything? And I thought, oh, we're in the wrong seats. He's about to kick us out. And I said, no, no, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to buy anything. I've already eaten enough. He goes, oh, food's included with these seats. I said, in that case, I'll take a popcorn. He'll take some peanuts and bring a couple Cokes. And so we sat there to the end of the game. They came back. They won. This is all true. They won the game. We can't even move at this point. They won the game. And then it's Friday night. So guess what happens on Friday night? Fireworks. It's a perfect night. It's the perfect party. And all she said was, I got a couple tickets and there's food and parking. No, you don't. You have a party. You have a banquet. There is free food. There's lots of it. There's seats. There's a, a concierge who's going to bring me popcorn. This is not just food and tickets. This is premier party. Right? And we come to people that are important to us, that we love, and we say, can I, will you come to church with me? Well, excuse me, did you say, uh, would, you, would you come to Christmas church with me? No, I won't come. Instead, we should be saying, can I invite you into walk life with me? And as a part of that, can I, can I introduce you to a party? You see, I think part of the reason why we don't invite a lot of people as we've underestimated 
And we have forgotten how important the eternity is of the party that Jesus has invited you to, that you're, we're sitting around the table, we're enjoying love, joy, peace, hope, all the things that are promised to us. And in the meantime, we have people that are on the outside going, well, it's just church. No, it's not. All the things that we have in our lives, the peace, the joy, the fulfillment, the promise of eternity are stored away in our hearts. And we're just saying, hey, could you come with me on Sunday at 10 o'clock? We're underestimating the party. What we're really saying is, and what we really need to be saying, what I really need to be communicating is, hey, listen, I'm sitting at a table. I have been introduced to a relationship with Jesus, and it has changed my life. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to look at you and they're going to give you two responses. They're going to reject you or they're going to accept you. That's it. But in rejecting you, they're going to throw out some excuses, aren't they? Just like these guys. Well, I bought a field and I haven't seen it yet, but I need to go check it out. I bought some oxen. I need to go check them out. I got married. I can't come to your party. But know this. When you begin to invite people to a, an, to a relationship instead of to an event, it's drastically different. It is much easier to invite people to an event than it is into a relationship. And we live in a world where people have true reasons that they are broken and they are weary and they are skeptical and they are full of wonder and full of questions about church and your faith. And one of the reasons I think it is because we just quit inviting them to a party of eternal life. But they say to us, they'll say, you know, my coworker, I, I've invited them, and they'll say, there's a valid reason. They'll say, you know, I know someone that goes to your church, and, uh, whew, and uh, us being in the same building together would not be good. Valid reason. Church is not my thing. It's just not my thing. I, I did it when I was young. I went to church. I, I went to Christmas. I went to Easter. That's kind of what I did, and it's, it's just not my thing. Um, here's one that you've probably heard before. I, I don't go to church because I don't trust Christians because they're hypocrites. Ever heard that one? And for some folks, it's a very real reason. For some reason, there's a lot of hurt. And for some reason, a simple invitation, real fast, will you go to church with me, is not going to be enough. There's some folks who say, you know what, I'm just, I'm busy. My kids are busy, they're, they're going here, there, and everywhere, I'm just busy. You, you may even have some who don't want to say this, but really what they're thinking is, I'm successful and without Jesus. Like, I, I make good money, I got a nice house, and I, I just, I'm, I'm good. And there's some when you invite them, when you say, I, I just want you to be a part of something. I, I want to invite you to a service or to something that's coming up at Christmas. I just want you to be a part. For some folks, there's an honest reality that they're saying, you know, I, I know about church. I've been to church. And I'm not proud of what, the way I'm living. And I've got a lot of things that I need to wrestle through right now that I'm, if I go to church, then I'm going to have to deal with some of those. And I, 
I would just rather hide behind these excuses. And what I want to challenge us to this morning is that we may need to go out into the highways and the hedges and step around the reasons and step into lives and say, you know, I'm not just inviting you to something that happens at 11.15 on Sunday morning. And when they look at you and they say, you know, I, I, no. That in that moment, we don't close off the relationship and go, well, they said no and they've got good reasons, so I'm just going to stand behind it and I'm never going to invite them again. Instead, we step around that and say, you know what? In our hearts and our minds, we begin to say, you know what? I'm going to begin to live a life in front of them, a life of hope, a life of joy, a life of peace, and I'm going to live it in front of them. And I'm going to mess up in front of them. I'm going to make mistakes in front of them. I'm going to show them about my parenting and the things that I do well and the things that I don't. And I might lose my temper and apologize to them, but I'm going to step out from behind their reasons and excuses and I'm going to live my life in front of them. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's a lot easier to run behind the reasons and say, nope, they've got a good reason I'm not coming. And instead, step around and say, I'm going to live life with them. I'm going to step into their lives. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to live life. I'm not just going to invite them to an event. I'm going to invite them into a relationship. Because there's really just two responses to every invitation. It's the risk of rejection. Undoubtedly, you've experienced that somebody has posed something back to you. Maybe the, maybe the person had a good excuse. Maybe they begin to tell you, and you go, wow, no wonder you don't want to come with me. Maybe, maybe we just need to sit at our lunch table, our coffee table at work, and maybe, maybe there I can just begin to walk with you through God's Word together. Maybe a, a student of yours, a friend of yours at class, who says, I'm extremely skeptical of church buildings and people at church. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not a church building, but can we begin a relationship? It's easier to invite someone to an event than it is to invite them into our lives. We may invite them into our lives and into our lives, and inside of our lives, they're allowed to see what? They're allowed to see past their excuses. They're allowed to see past their reasons. They're they're allowed to see people who have experienced what Jesus is talking about here. He's you're invited to see people who are going to sit at the table and who are going to drink from this teaching of eternity and drink from this hope and drink from the teachings and they're going to watch people whose lives have been transformed, not just in word, but in deed. And so when they say no, you say, fine. Wow, I, I didn't know. You say, you know, maybe, maybe you did have that experience when you were growing up in church. And, and because of that, how about we just, we just grab coffee once a week and let me share with you what I've been learning from Jesus through his word. And let me just share that with you. Is that okay? Instead, you say, well, no, you, you don't want to come with me on a Sunday morning. Oh, you do, but you don't want to talk about it. Well, that's fine. If you'd like to go out to lunch afterwards, if you'd like to talk, we can give it a shot. You say, you know, those are that pain that you had from your childhood. 
I appreciate you being honest with me, but can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? And week after week after week, you let them know you're praying. Week after week after week, year after year after year. I know there's a couple sitting in one of our services today that the wife prayed for the husband for almost 30 years to come to Christ, and he's now a follower of Jesus in our midst. That's a lot of reasons. That's a lot of... That's a lot of walls getting brought down. That's a lot of conversations where they said, well, you know, it's a no again. Well, I'll keep living Jesus in front of you. I'll keep showing you forgiveness and grace. I'll keep being what nobody else in life is going to be for you until there's no other reasons, until I can invite you to the party. Where there's nothing in between. There's no other reasons. I'm not inviting you to a building or to a place or to a tradition. I'm inviting you to the table with Jesus. So what about him? What about Jesus? That may be your explanation to all of the reasons as they pile on the table. You may say, you know, that, that's true. Can we just talk about one person then? Can we just talk about Jesus? Do a Google search. It's not a conversation that many people are scared to have. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people are having this discussion every day. Who is Jesus? I mentioned there's two possibilities to every invitation. One is rejection. One is the opportunity for salvation. One is rejection. One is salvation. And both of them, listen to me, church, both of these are eternal. That's where we need to ramp this up in our minds that as we're inviting people into our lives, as we're inviting them into a relationship to Jesus, there is the risk of rejection, but there is also the opportunity for salvation. And please know this, God knows and loves the person that you are inviting more than you. He knows what's in their hearts. He knows what's in their minds. He knows what excuses they're going to pose to you. He knows the reasons. And he has prepared you as his good workmanship to step around the reasons and excuses into their lives to be used to point them to a heavenly eternity party. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. To point people to the eternal goodness of God. So here's what I want to do, and this sounds counter to what I've just been telling you about, but I do want to, I want to give you some things and some events to invite people to for Christmas. Uh, now, some of you are going, man, my, my friend's just not coming this Christmas. Fine, that's great. You know that already. You begin to pray for them. You begin to invite them with impact, knowing that you need to step into their lives. You know they're going to say no already. They've said no a million times. You're going to keep on praying. You're going to keep on preparing yourself. You're going to keep on stepping into their lives. But let me give you a few opportunities that, that you can introduce them to Jesus in some different ways. Uh, starting December 9th, we're going to begin a sermon series called Jesus Is. Um, we're going to look at who is Jesus. Not who is Jesus to me, but who is Jesus de- declare himself to be, and what does that mean for us as individuals? Uh, for the month of December. We're going to be looking at that. We're also going to be um, on December 15th, 16th. You may have some folks who are musical in nature who say, man, I'd like to hear. I- I'm willing to come to a Christmas thing, um, but I just don't, you know, I'm just not sure about it. Um, December 15th, 16th at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. Um, some of our worship ministries preparing a night of worship called The Way He Came, and they would love to present, present to you the humble way that Jesus came into this earth. 
and to share that truth of who Jesus Christ is. Uh, Others of you may need to take a less formal approach. Uh, On December 19th, we have a thing that we call, I I can't even believe I say this in church, um, Christmas karaoke and potluck. It's the weirdest thing that you've ever seen, all right? Last year, there were 500 people crammed in here, um, and we simply enjoyed being together. And that's what that night is about. Uh, It's a night where you bring side dishes, we provide the meats, we stand up on stage, we have a great time, um, and we prepare ourselves for what's coming, and that is December 23rd, 24th. Now, last year on Christmas Eve weekend, we had 1,450 people here. That's a lot of folks. That's a third more than normal. Um, and so this year, we want to be prepared for that. We want to be ready for that. We want to give you every opportunity um, to invite someone to be a part of that, uh, somebody that you've already built a relationship with. And so Sunday morning is not going to look different at all. Sunday morning, we have the 845, 10 o'clock, 1115. All the ministries that take place around those are going to be taking place around those. So what you normally do, you can normally do on the 23rd. But what you need to know is that the 24th is Christmas Eve is the next day. At 4 and 6, we're going to have the same service that we're offering on the 23rd. So you're going, oh man, do I come to church on the 23rd or I come on the 24th? Here's what I want to pose. I don't care which one you come to or how many you come to. I just want you to have somebody beside you. And if you come to all five of them with somebody beside you, great. I want you to think about not which service or time fits me and us better, but which opportunity with the person that I'm burdened for be willing to come to? Well, they might say no. Okay. And in that moment they say no, you step into their lives. They may say, not yet. And you say, great, I'll keep living a life that Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'll step into your life. I'll keep living in front of you. Let me talk to you about a party that's been prepared for you, that's been prepared for me. So when you think about Christmas, the 23rd and 24th, we're throwing a party. And we're going to invite people to answer the question for themselves, who is Jesus to you? Not to me, not to the person, who is Jesus to you? What does that mean for you for all eternity? What risk are you willing to take? Not just for Christmas, but what risk are you willing to take to invite people What risk are you willing to take to invite people to the party? Maybe we're not inviting enough people to the party because we've made the party small. Maybe we're not inviting people to the party because we're scared we're going to be rejected. But the challenge from Jesus here in the parable to the servant is you keep inviting, you keep going. I want the house to be filled. I'm offering you a picture of eternity. I'm offering the teachings that lead to eternal life. Will you accept those teachings? Will you proclaim those teachings? What risk are we willing to take? Who will we invite into our lives? They might join you for a Christmas service, and they very well may not. But will we begin to invite people in our hearts, and our minds, and our spirits to the banquet, to the party that we understand and know. There'll be no weeping. There'll be no crying. There'll be eternity. We know that. There's a celebration that Christ has said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
for all eternity. He's preparing the banquet for us. Who do you need to invite into your life to introduce them to Jesus? Let's pray this morning.